Fearless Conversations, the Serpents and Doves Podcast with Pablo Frasini. What's up, folks? Um, this is, I'm excited. I am excited to bring a bunch of thoughts to everybody because, wow, where do I start? Um, so Ron sent me this article. And I'll go ahead and show it to you guys a little bit. And it just it just really just kind of ignited a whole slew of thoughts in my mind. I went in a bunch of different directions. And to be really honest with you, um, a little bit is organized. A lot of it is disorganized just because it was so much. I mean, I have so much material here. I, and actually up here as well on my other monitor. And uh, we're going to see where this goes. I actually have no clue how this is going to flow. I hope it flows good. Um, there's just a lot uh, that I want to share with you. And as always, I'm going to try to really kind of keep it condensed because um, I don't want to go too long. I can be super long-winded. Y'all know that. Um, I don't need to uh, to tell you guys. It's easy for me to just blah, 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 and gab, gab, gab forever and ever. And I don't want to do that. But listen, um, one thing that I do want to say is that I want to just kind of get through the housekeeping really quick. Let's move. Uh, let Let's get through that, and then um, we'll get cracking. What do y'all say? So, uh, as always, serpents and dove side. I'm gonna be redesigned this. I'm sure a lot of you are just like, dude, we already know this. Tell us something we don't know. Well, for those of you that want to be on the end of the newsletter. Go ahead, sign up and subscribe to the newsletter. That'll be going out soon, hopefully. I have been working on the new goodies. And look, I, I got to say something. Y'all know that um, I am a designer by trade. My passion is design. Uh, this isn't something that I just like to put little merch like a lot of podcasters do. Um, <clears throat> ideally, I would actually love for... The apparel side of everything to blow up. That's just my heart. I love design. I love artwork. And that's just a way that I express myself in the art and on apparel. So a lot of that new stuff's going to be coming up and I'm going to be adding to it as we go. I'm not going to do your typical fall season, holiday season, spring, summer. I'm not going to do that. If I, if I think something's just cool and the Lord gives me a design or I just see something, it inspires me and I want to put it down on some, uh, on some threads, I'm going to go ahead and do that and I'm going to just upload it to uh, the shop. So that's the way it's going to roll. That's going to be coming up soon. I finally finished the mock-ups and I'm just trying to keep you all posted. I'm trying to keep you guys <clears throat> in on the loop. Excuse me while I do this, <clears throat> but... Um, I'm actually excited. A lot of work's gone into it. And for those uh, designers out there, y'all know what I'm talking about. Why am I saying y'all? As if y'all, y'all, as if I'm from Texas. I'm from California, dude. Stop saying y'all, man. <clears throat> All right. So anyways, go ahead sign up. Long-winded. I thought I wasn't going to, but as always, I am. And as always, if you feel led of the Lord and you enjoy the content, and you want to come support the ministry either on a single or a monthly donation, you could do that. I've set that up. I've made it really easy right up here on the right-hand side. 
or on the bottom of the page as well. And so a lot of this is going to be updated too. So just bear with me. I'm a one-man band. There's a whole lot going on. So, whew. Okay, done with that now. So like I told you guys, Ron sent me uh, this article, and I read It's a great article, and I thought, you know what? Um, I'm going to just take this week to break from our five-part series, Are You Rapture Ready? Because it's Thanksgiving. And despite the fact that it seems like our world is going to hell in a handbasket, and it is, um, we have a lot to be thankful for, a whole lot to be thankful for. One of my favorite Psalms, and uh, I want to I get this out up front because it's easy for me. I fall guilty of this. It's like, okay, Thanksgiving, one day a year, great. Let's say what we're thankful for, and then... Uh, the day after Thanksgiving, we eat leftovers and, you know, it's kind of like record needle scratch. Um, but that's not the way that the Lord wants us to operate. He wants us to be living a life of thankfulness constantly. And for the believer, there are challenges for us in our walk with the Lord at all times because there's so much vying for our attention and look, if we're going to really be honest with each other, we're just a bunch of spoiled brats. We really are here in the West. We have a whole lot, and it's easy for us to become ungrateful. Um, ungrateful. I'll just leave it at that. But one of my favorite Psalms is uh, Psalm 100. And let me go ahead and read it. It's only five verses. I hope this encourages you guys as I read it. It says, um, and, and this is, and I'm sure most of you know, it's the Psalm of Thanksgiving. It says, make a joyful shout to the Lord all you lands, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. I love the fact that he he um, he calls us sheep. He, he likens us to sheep. There's a whole study there. Uh, verse 4 says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to one generation. No, to all generations. The Lord is, look, you're going to read throughout Psalms, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. And so look, to me, that is a, it's a reminder us of, uh, for all of us, and it's right smack dab in the middle of the Bible. It's a reminder to all of us that we need to be exercising thanks. I am really, I'm going to be just flat out honest. I really am grateful for every single one of you. There are so many of you that have written in and said, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for the ministry. That is so encouraging. That is so, um, it, it to me, that is such a source of thankfulness before the Lord and to you guys. And so I want to say thank you to everybody that watches. Thank you to all of you that are patient with me because I can't be long-winded. I know that I ramble. Sometimes I go off on the craziest rabbit trails, so please forgive me for doing that. But nonetheless, I really am grateful because God is good and his mercy endures forever. Listen, as crazy as this world is, as crazy as this world is going to be getting, we know that our redemption draws near. We know that any moment our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ 
is going to sound that shofar, is going to sound that trumpet, and we are sayonara. We are out of here. Nos vemos hasta luego, compadre. En las nubes. And, um, you know, sometimes I wonder if... Uh, here we go. Here we go. Total... Total tangent. This is what happens when you guys just get me on solo, on solo flights. So, you know, I've thought for many years, uh, and joking, of course, but can you imagine uh, doing a podcast as a Latino announcer? What that would sound like. Hola, bienvenidos todos al podcast de Serpents and Doves. You know, um, that would take a whole lot of energy, but maybe there's a career for me in um in spanish uh announcing who knows right just kidding yeah that that's never gonna happen but anyways so see what i mean i get on these rabbit trails so look be thankful i'm thankful for the lord i'm thankful for his sacrifice and his you know what some of you guys might be saying well you know aren't we all well are we really i mean i hope we are i know sometimes i don't really think about it that way and uh, I really need to remember and keep that at the forefront of my mind. So it is a great reminder. I pray that as you celebrate uh, the day of Thanksgiving, that it wouldn't just be relegated to a day in November, but that it would be all year round where we would count our blessings and we would be able to be thankful for so, so many things. I love my country. I am grateful that the Lord has me here. I'm grateful that I am able to be here and share my heart as, uh, you know, rabbit trail-y and rambly and blah, blah, blah as I could get. I am grateful to be able to be sitting here and sharing my God-honest heart with you guys oftentimes. And sometimes it's ugly. Sometimes uh, it's just going to be raw. And, and that's just the way it is. Because at the end of the day, I'm a sinner. I'm saved. I've been saved by grace. And I'm grateful for His grace his compassion. I'm so thankful for his mercies. I'm so thankful that uh, that we are not consumed because he is so good again and his mercies endure forever. I am thankful for his faithfulness. He provides our every need and oftentimes he, give us, he gives us sometimes the things that we want. Not all things. He doesn't want to spoil us even though we become, I think in the West, like I said before, we become little spoiled brats. But Nonetheless, thank you, Lord, for uh, this platform. Thank you, Lord, for what you do for us. Thank you for the gift of your son, Father God. And thank you for the time we're going to have right now. So, folks, what do you guys say? By the way, enjoy your Thanksgiving. Uh, eat lots of turkey and um, take a lot of naps. I don't watch football. I know, right? Boo. I don't watch football. I'm not sure which one of these sound effects is the, um, and yeah, th there it is. So uh, I, I'm sorry. I eat lots of turkey and then I get lethargic. Huh? I eat lots of turkey. I get lethargic because I have something in it that makes you tired. But anyways, enjoy your day and uh, be blessed. Who knows? Maybe today's the day. That would be wonderful. So folks, look, uh, like I said in the beginning, Ron sent me, uh, an article, and I, it might still be on Harbinger's Daily. I don't know. It, it was it was a great read. This is it right here. It says, Jesus sees, and soon the entire world will witness his dramatic intervention. I think that is so, so... Great title by Jonathan Brentner. 
Uh, again, it was a really, really good article. Very, very good article. And we're going to kind of go through this because as I started reading the article, man, my mind was racing a million miles an hour. I mean, I remember I read this article and then I, I read this and I read that. And what did it say in scripture? And and pull out, you know, another a commentary here. And when I least expect it, I have so much information that if I don't boil it down, if I don't, you know, just kind of package it all together and, and slice this end off, slice that end off, uh, we're going to be here for about four hours and uh, none of us have the time to do that. So I'm already 12 minutes in and I haven't started. So I say we get crack a lacking and hopefully again, I'm able to... Um, I'm able to make sense. But let me just kind of preface everything with the fact that what we're going to read in Habakkuk chapter 1, uh, Jonathan Brentner goes from verse 2 to 3. I actually am going to be going and reading verses 1 to 5. If you have your Bibles with you, by all means. It's funny, I heard uh, Pastor Gary Hamrick the other day. Um, I was listening to him, and he said, if you have your paper Bibles open to so-and-so, if you don't have one, open your digital Bibles. So, if you have your paper Bibles, and there's nothing quite like a paper Bible, because you could you could hear this. Ah, uh, the pages of... Turning the pages of the Bible. There's nothing like that, and you don't get that in an e-Bible. not saying it's not good. I'm just, uh, I like the paper Bible. So anyways, if you do have it, turn to Habakkuk chapter one, and you're going to see what I'm talking about. Um, Habakkuk asks uh, a question that I think, uh, I would imagine most of us have probably asked in our lifetime, at least once, twice. I, I seem to, I feel as if I'm asking this question a whole lot more, especially as the days wax on and on and on and darker and darker and darker. But the the question that I often have is, when, Lord, when are you going to come? Seriously, look, take a look around. And it's funny because I'll ask these questions and I forget who I'm talking to. <laughs> I mean, come on. I'm talking to the creator of the universe. The Lord knows me. He knit me in my mother's womb. He knew me before time began. He knew all of us before time began. He's got all our days counted. And so it makes me feel normal when I read things such as we read in Habakkuk chapter 1. And so let me go ahead and read that. Uh, we will get to verse 5. Right now, let me just read verse 1 through 4. It says, the burden... And this is... These are questions about God's judgment. And so it says in verse 1, the burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw, the prophet's question. Verse 2, O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Even cry out to you, violence, and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me, there is strife and contention arises. Verse 4, therefore the law is powerless and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, therefore perverse judgment proceeds. Look, folks, family, um, flight crew, listen, 
I don't know about you, but when I read this, and this is from the New King James Version, but when I read this, you could read this in the King James. If you like King James Version, by all means, uh, you know, um, knock yourself out. Um, it says the same thing. And it's almost as if you're reading something from the headlines of newspapers today. It's This is the age-old question, but more so today, as we see Habakkuk, asking this. And I've oftentimes said, Lord, seriously, what in the world is going on? When are you going to intervene? These people, the evildoers, they are getting away with so much and there doesn't seem to be any accountability anywhere. Let me make it crystal clear. And the Lord has ministered to me through many people. Uh, This is the fact that nobody gets away with anything in the Lord's eye. Nobody does. We may think that's the way it is because we might not see the repercussions, the consequences, the judgments on that evil, but they will not get away with anything. They they will not. Verse 5 is begins the Lord's reply, and I'm only going to go to verse 5. And this is what the Lord says, Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded! Exclamation mark. For I will work a work in your days which you would not believe, though it were told to you. So essentially the Lord's saying, listen, I'm going to do something that's going to blow your mind. And even if someone were to tell you, you wouldn't believe me. You go, nah, nah, no way. And and it's funny because we do that, right? We we oftentimes uh, react that way when um, the Lord might tell us in prayer or through you know a reading scripture where He would encourage us, and we oftentimes will say, nah, the Lord would never do that. No, that would never happen. And so it's easy for us to question things like that. Hey, at the end of the day, look, um, um, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that uh, I'm, I'm, I've said a million times, I'm not perfect. I have to say this. So uh, let, let me go ahead and just kind of lay this out on the table. Um, I, I told you guys that Ron sent me this article, and this is the way he captioned the article, was just two words. And Ron said, be encouraged. Because Ron and I have a whole slew of conversations. We have these amazing conversations, and uh, we're just, man, we are just transparent with one another. And I love it. Iron sharpening iron, right? Proverbs 27, 17. And I have other guys that I could do that with too. Ron and I, uh, just, we, we connect. We, it's, it's amazing to me that we didn't know this, but Ron and I share the same exact birthday. And Ron and I both... When we got uh, Charlie Offers Very Interesting Deals, the acronym, you guys will get that probably in two hours. Um, Both of us lost our taste and smell, and to this day, we've not regained 100% of it. Kind of stinky that was uh, for three years ago. I think it was around the same time both of us got it. So you know what? It's so cool to just have things in common. And uh, again, we we get to sit down, we get to lay things out. So he sends this to me and he says, be encouraged. And so again, I, I read it and I just kind of want, like I said in the beginning, I want to kind of unpack some of this stuff. And I need to just say something. So besides my wife, because my wife is the quintessential eternal optimist, 
Ron is an optimist as well. I mean, they're both optimists. And so the Lord said, look, Pablo, you're such an Eeyore that I'm going to have to surround you with optimists because, uh, you know what? You need a little help there, buddy. You, you, a little, uh, you, you get a little pessimistic sometimes. And you know what? I, I need to put some people around you that, uh, that are going to bring you up a bit. All right? So the Lord, um, the Lord obviously, I, I married, I, I, always, I always like to say I married up and I married way out of my league, way out of my league. My wife is a beautiful, amazing woman. And again, she is the eternal optimist. Ron, my buddy, is also an eternal optimist. Uh, they both see the glass full, half full, right? You've heard that. The, the optimist says glad the glass is half full. The pessimist says, no, the glass is half empty. Um, and, uh, well, grittingly, my teeth, I have to admit that um, I'm not the happy-go-lucky um, Andy Griffiths show optimist. As much as I probably would call myself the struggling pessimist, um, or you know what? We use this as an excuse. You, you all, y'all pessimists, you know what I'm talking about when I say we use the excuse of, well, I'm not a pessimist. I'm just a realist, right? Look, at the end of the day, sometimes we could be as realist as we think we are, but it, it comes across pessimistic. And praise God that. Uh, our Lord and Savior is not a pessimist, and um, hey, we win, all right? We win. Uh, so listen, I was grateful when Ron sent this to me, and he said, be encouraged, be encouraged. And, and oftentimes, so as I was reading this, the very first part of me says, uh, I thought to myself, well, uh, where would the encouragement come from? But as you read it, and again, the Lord is faithful. He is good, and His mercies endure forever. The Lord ministered to me, and He said, You've got much to be thankful for. Let's unpack all of this stuff, and don't be such an Eeyore. Don't be such an Eeyore. And so um, I want to make sure that uh, we... we well, I hope that I make sense. And so let's just kind of jump into the article and uh, let's read a little bit. I'm going to just kind of jump all over. So it says this, I read to you Habakkuk, and he says, the Lord responded to the inquisitive prophet by telling him that his judgment, let me see, let me actually read from here, that his judgment was already on the way. His wrath came in the form of Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians who destroyed both Jerusalem and the temple. God indeed saw the wickedness and the violence, and he warned the people of Judah beforehand through Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Habakkuk. Pause. Pause there. Let me kind of jump in here and just say there is a remnant of pastors. There, there is a remnant of churches that are sounding the alarm and saying, this is going to happen. Take heed. Take warning. Get your houses in order. And so, just like then, right now, God has raised up leaders to sound the alarm, and it's important that we don't just hear it, but that we listen to it and that we take action on it, that we act on it. So, let me keep going. Back to today. Despite a world that's overrun with violence, deception, injustice, lawlessness, and wickedness, 
Let me jump in here and say, as if that's not bad enough, very few church leaders ask questions similar to that of Habakkuk. Do they not connect what they see with biblical prophecy? Have you asked that question? I know I have. As I said before, I've asked it a million times. I find that I ask that question a whole lot more now than I ever have, and it gets tiresome, and the Lord is so patient with me, so patient with us. You know, I could just imagine the Lord saying, oh, Pablo, my son, okay, well, let me send this encouragement through my word. Let me send this word of encouragement through this person or that person or in prayer or whatever it is, and praise God for that. But um, I could relate. We could relate to Habakkuk. And look, Habakkuk isn't the only one. We can go to Psalm 10. We go to Psalm 10. If you have your Bibles, go to Psalm 10. Verse 1, why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble? The wicked in his pride persecutes the poor. Let them be caught in the plots which they've devised. For the wicked boasts of his heart's desire. He blesses the greedy and renounces the Lord. The wicked in his proud countenance does not seek God. God is in none of his thoughts. And the verse, the, the psalm goes on. Verse 12 says, Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand. Do not forget the humble. It's a great, it's a great psalm. It's a great psalm. And again, that's that's not the only one. You could just turn over, you know, three psalms to the right. And Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? So on and so forth. And so we're not alone as we traverse through this time in the world, this ugly, ugly time. Now, look, I got to say again that praise God that I have a wonderful wife. My mom and my dad have poured a lot into us, you know, my two sisters and us growing up, um, a lot of wise counsel, um, and also, I want to say, you know, the Lord brings people into our lives and it, the Lord's brought some amazing wise men into my life to, to really kind of at times slap me around and go, dude, snap out of it, sonny. And, uh, and I'm thankful for that. And most times it's like we could just talk to each other and we could encourage each other. And that's something that's so, so, so important. Uh, the other day I got a call just out of the blue for Pastor Ken Ortiz. Hey, I just wanted to see how you were doing. And it just really blessed my socks off. It really made my day. Pastor Ken, if you're hearing me, I love you, Pastor Ken. It was such an amazing call. And look, I, you know what? It's, it's amazing. I mean, I got, you know, the, the Lord put men in my life like Ron. I got, I got Eric Barger. Again, Pastor Ken Ortiz. I got, I got Phil Romas. We got Ken Rohde, Pastor Jason David, uh, John Haller, and so many others. But it's, you know what? It's encouraging. And oftentimes um, we live in a world where we need that. We need to lean on one another because um, there's a, I, I find this funny. Let me just kind of jump in here and say that we as Christians, uh, we've kind of created our own subculture, our, our own, not, well, yeah, I mean, Christianity has created its own subculture. Sorry. It's this little connection here. If this goes, then uh, you guys won't hear me. So pardon me as I kind of fix things here. But um, 
we also have created our own little language at times. And I think it's funny. We've come, we come up with terms for everything. And one of the things that I believe every single one of us experiences to some degree or lesser degree, more times or less times, is what uh, Pastor Brandon Holthouse called this. And he's another man, too. Um, shout out to Pastor B. But um, so we, we got uh, evil fatigue, right? And I, I, we've talked about evil fatigue a bit, and I'm sure a lot of us uh, go through that. But I found it funny because I read an article just recently, and they came up with a whole slew of names. i got to share some of these with you. Uh, one of them is called Late Great Burnout. And I, I'm sorry, I think it's humorous, okay, because we come up with all these terms. Late Great Burnout. And, and obviously that, that comes from the book, The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. If you haven't read it, it was a good book. It was a really good book. Um, way ahead of its time. But uh, um, the, the term still applies today. Uh, another one, let me, let me go ahead and see. Uh, where's the other one? I wrote these down somewhere. Let me see. Oh, my land. Let's see. See, this is the bummer. I take okay. So, so here we go. Ready? We have end time weariness, rapture fatigue. Very original. Almost as good as uh, I wrote here. So, rapture fatigue is almost as original as uh, regless. Uh, regless. Oh my land! Seriously, dude. Re <laughs> Restless leg syndrome. I I move my legs a lot, so. That is every everything has to get coined something, right? We they, they put they put a name to everything. But anyway, seriously, who comes up with these names? Here's another one, and and this is to make my point. So we got one that's called Rapture Watch Burnout. That's kind of a mouthful. And finally, here's one that I kind of made up myself. I like this one because it's just the best one. Here it is, quote, it's just taking too darn long and I'm sick and tired of waiting fatigue. How's that one? I, I kind of like that one. I know it's a mouthful, but I think it just kind of sums everything up. But anyways, so we, we, we've all experienced this or are in the process of experiencing some of this. Uh, some folks on Thanksgiving be in prayer because there are some folks who don't have family. And I can't imagine what, what they must be feeling right now. They want the rapture right now. They want to be in the company of their brothers and sisters in heaven, and I can totally understand that. But again, uh, these are all ways that we describe these feelings of end-time maladies, right? End-time maladies. But anyways, this going back to the article, let me just kind of come back over here for us. Going back to the art article, he was saying how despite everything that we just read, Many aren't even paying attention to this. As I wondered, this is what he goes on to say, as I wondered about how again, wondered, if, as I wondered about how again to respond to the normality bias, very true, normality bias so evident among believers today, I thought about the title of a Francis A. Schaefer book that I read in college. And this is the title. He is there. And he is not silent. He goes on to say, for today, I suggest we adjust it to say he sees he is not silent and is coming and he is coming soon. Jesus sees. He sees the perilous times that we live in. And, and again, look, 
I'm going to leave this article up because I would hope that you would read some of these, right? Uh, as he says here, he sees grieving family members, and I will let y'all read the rest of it, and you'll know why when you read it. And down here, uh, down here, he says he saw all that happened on October seventh in Israel, and he grieves with along he grieves along with those suffering from this great tragedy. So, based on what the Lord sees today, how might He reply? If someone asked him the same questions Habakkuk raised so long ago, just like I said, as maybe you did, or as maybe I do, because we do ask these, I'm certain his response would include the words of Psalm chapter 75, verses 6 to 8. And it says this, look, it's up here, and I'm going to just read it. For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south, but God is the judge. He put us down one. You know what? This is why I'm sorry. I know I'm breaking this up. This is why I oftentimes, um, when I read the King James Version, I got to tell everybody, when I read the King James Version, I just want to read it with a British accent because it just sounds so much better, right? But gold is the judge. He put us down one and set it up another. I mean, does that sound, sounds just way better. Sorry. Uh, Again, that's just how my mind works. Uh, For in the hand of the Lord, there is a cup and the wine is red. It is full of mixture and he poureth out the same, but the dregs thereof, all the wicked of the earth shall wring them out and drink them. And he goes on to say, as we wait for the Lord's appearing, we can be sure he sees what's happening in this world And his response is already on the way. And perhaps, as it says down there, it's closer than most people can imagine. I will actually go ahead and say to Jonathan here, not perhaps. Let's just take perhaps out. It is closer than most people can imagine. And he says one thing for sure. He is not silent. Unless the perpetrators of the evil around us turn to the Savior, they will feel the full force of God's cup of wrath, both in this life and in eternity. It is a fabulous article. We're going to keep going through this. But the question that came up in my mind, this is where just kind of everything went all over, was where is the church in all of this? Where is the church in all of this? Because we all know that the majority of the pulpits have gone silent. We know that. In regards to Bible prophecy, uh, the majority of the pulpits in America have gone silent when it comes to Bible prophecy. The majority of the pulpits in America have gone silent when it comes to studying the Word of God for what the Word of God is, the inspired Word of God. John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I mean, it is truth. It is truth. It is what sanctifies us, right? Let me go ahead and turn to John chapter 17. I've read this before. Easy verse to remember, 1717. It says here, sanctify them by your truth. This is Jesus's prayers. Part of Jesus's prayer. This was, he was praying for his disciples, but in principle, it applies to us as well. And he said in verse 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So how are we to be sanctified? Right here. 
the Word of God, getting into the Word of God. You like to read, you know, 10 chapters in one sitting. I know Pastor Kerry Green used to read an exorbitant. I, mean, I think he used to read through the Bible in three months. Think about the amount of reading that he would do. So he's read through the Bible a bazillion times. He knows the Bible a lot. You could read that much, and you're blessed by it. Praise God. I'm, I'm more on the slow side. I'm kind of like, you know, the race between the turtle and the hare. I'm more like the hare. You know, doo-doo-doo-doo. Do, 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 do. It just some I just read slow, and that's okay. Some of us are slow readers, but the point is we read and we take in the word of God. We read and we take in the word of God. Now, when it comes to um, like I said, what well, we read, what are the pulpits in America lacking? Oh wow, the churches in America, should I say, are lacking a whole lot. A whole lot. You know, I just did a, a podcast on Tuesday with Carl Tykrib, and Carl Tykrib said one thing that, I mean, it, it's a big truth. We don't oftentimes think about it, though. We don't think that the church, the building, the, the place where we go and we gather and we fellowship is not the place where we do ministry. That is not the way God designed it. The church, the building itself, the gathering of the believers is what we do to be equipped so that when we walk out the doors of the church, we go out and influence the world around us for Christ. And we've not done that. We have done a terrible job at that. We are extremely anemic. And at the risk of somebody accusing me of picking on the church a lot, well, in all due honesty, I am picking on the church. Because it is the church's responsibility to go out, right? The body of Christ, not the building. When I say the church, I'm talking about the people, the individuals that make up the body of Christ. Born-again, spirit-filled believers. The church, by and large, has failed at its mission to evangelize the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You want me to say that again? Well, too bad, because I'm going to say it anyways. The church, by and large, has failed, has failed its mission to go and evangelize the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, look, some of you might agree with me. There might be some who disagree, but the proof is in the pudding. Okay? The proof is in the pudding. And now, um, the reason why I'm bringing this home is because, again, it isn't the world's responsibility. It isn't those that are spiritually dead to seek the Lord because they're spiritually dead. They don't know any better. It's our responsibility, again, as the body of Christ, to fulfill the Great Commission. It was a command and it was almost like uh, the Lord was um, scolding us because he had to tell us, like, seriously, man, this is what I need you guys to go and do, right? And so um, what can we look at? I mean, seriously, uh, let me see if I could just kind of show you guys a little bit of what I'm talking about. So I read an article, and some of you might get this little... Um, this little booklet, I don't know if you guys, let me see if I back it up a bit. This is from Jan Markell called Understanding the Times. Um, I don't always read all of them. Sometimes I do. 
Uh, this one in particular, I read one article in it, and uh, it was called uh, Apocalyptic Anticipation. And there's one thing in there that, uh, that it does. It, it just shows how the world... There was an article, I guess, back from a while ago, The Guardian, and Jan says that it further mocks those with the end-time view. And what it does, she said, is that it reinforces the growing skepticism of the world. Now, I'll take it a step further. It's not so much that the world is skeptic about this because the world doesn't know any better. Why would I hold the world accountable to knowing about the rapture when the world has no clue who Jesus Christ is? And so why would they even know about the rapture? So it's not like I'm going to hold the world accountable. Not accountable. It's not like I'm going to hold the world um, uh, responsible for knowing because they don't know at the end of the day. That's our responsibility to go and share the gospel. And then say, hey, listen, by the way, did you know that uh, the world is going to pretty much come to a screeching halt fairly quickly here? And I know some of some people say, ah, they've been saying that for a long time. They've been saying rapture for decades and decades and decades, even maybe centuries. And yeah, they have been. But the conditions have never been more ripe for the rapture to happen than they are now. And there's a whole list of reasons, and we can't get into them today. But just know that we're at a point right now where um, where it, it is a mockery. But the mockery isn't coming from the world when I'm talking about the rapture. The majority of the mockery isn't coming so much from the world as it is from so-called Christians. So I kind of looked, I tried to look this article up, and I found an article from The Guardian. This came out February 1st of this year, and it was titled, I Grew Up Evangelical, Terrifying Rapture Films Scarred Me Forever. Uh, this is a, a really eye-opening article, not because, yeah, that, that's the pathetic, ridiculous remake. I'm sorry, it was horrible. It was a horrible remake of the Left Behind series with Nicolas Cage. I mean, seriously, it was, it was terrible. And if I have to go on and say, did this influence him at all towards closer towards Jesus? If I have to base my assumptions on the post films that Nicolas Cage has done after this, I would say vehemently, no way, Jose, no way, Jose. So... Uh, but this article was written by a dude named Josiah Heese. And Josiah Heese, now we don't have time to go through all of this, but let me just read a little bit. And this will give you an idea of where the church has become so anemic. And it's been like this for a long time. Unfortunately, the church has um, uh, just not come to grips with it. And we should have come to grips with it. Hang on as I take a sip of my delicious coffee. Decaf, yes. You guys are probably wondering. It is decaf. Sorry. It's a placebo for me. Um, pray for me. Anyways, it says here, after millions of people vanish from existence, the world is thrown into violent anarchy, the street playground of theft, murder, rape, looting, suicide. Duh. Duh. By the way, by the way, one of the, uh, let me do a shameless 
let me do a shameless plug for uh, one of the hoodies that's going to be coming out in a, in a T-shirt. It's my duh hoodie and my duh T-shirt. I've been saying I'm going to come out with that because we have so many of those moments in society today. And as I read the news articles, sometimes for those of you following Telegram, you know, if, you, if you're not following me on Telegram, I would highly encourage you guys to go do that. Sometimes I'll post uh, a random video there that I don't post anywhere else. So if you don't, uh, the link is below. But anyways, this is one of those dumb moments for those that are going to be left behind. Well, this is what everyday life is going to look like, plus some. Um, ver uh, let me go to the second, um, <clears throat> the second paragraph here. It says, it's a familiar story to anyone raised as an evangelical Christian in the last century, particularly if you grew up in the 90s with a shelf full of left-behind rapture novels, which have sold 80 million copies. By the way, a lot of these people that write these books, they really focus on the fact that it was all about making money, all about making money. I'm not here to, to judge anybody's heart. Uh, Tim LaHaye is, in, is with the Lord. And, but, but they were good novels, and the first three movies were the best left-behind movies. Sorry, Kirk Cameron, you did spectacular, brother. Wish they would have kept going with the series, man. Uh, would love to have you on sometime. If you, if you hear this or if anybody knows Kirk Cameron, get this over to him so I can get him on. Anyways, it goes on to say here, um, let me go to three. Intended to be taken as a literal prophecy of events right around the corner, these stories terrorized me as a child and haunt my dreams to this day. Love the use of the words. I'm working on a memoir about these experiences and have interviewed dozens of people who grew up under this what? Under this what? Under this toxic theology. Obviously, this dude grew up in the church, and unfortunately, it just didn't bode well for him. Unfortunately, this is, see, this is what I mean. The church just fell asleep at the wheel. I think the church became so enamored with trying to put butts in the seat and fill the pews and bring the world into the church through this pathetic seeker-sensitive movement and this whole purpose-driven movement that they missed, by and large, the whole reason why we're supposed to, what? Evangelize. Share Jesus Christ. Right? No fluff. We don't need a fluff. The Holy Spirit doesn't need our help. We get to help. God doesn't need our help. We get to help. It's a privilege. It's an honor to be able to serve the Lord. But he doesn't need us. Uh, but he takes broken vessels like us. I'm a very, praise God, what a broken vessel. I've got patches all over. Um, but thank God he takes, his, he takes broken vessels like us and he uses us. Anyways, look. I got to get through this really, really quick. There's just, so, and this is what I meant. There's so much information, but here he calls it toxic theology. So this kid grew up in the church and, um, and he, you could tell there's a lot of resentment here. You could just hear it as you read this article. Um, and he talks about how he went to see rise of the Antichrist and how it expertly weaves contemporary Christian right boogeyman. I'm not going to say what right here. You could read it. Okay. Into an otherwise typical tale. It's the same narrative every time with rapture films. Get that? It's the same narrative. Every time with rapture films, books and plays, the Antichrist uses world war to manipulate the UN into installing him as leader of a global socialist government centered on the mark of the beast. A tattooed credit card. 
Obviously, you could see the man's ignorance here. Often a barcode bracketed by number 666 on everyone's right hand or forehead. No, not exactly like that. Uh, but we can't get into it today. Anyways, he goes on here. He goes on here to also talk about money and how it's about money. He goes on to talk about distant thunder. I don't know how many of you guys have seen a distant thunder. I like it. I think it ends sad because the protagonist in the movie she ends up getting her head lopped off, but she never becomes a believer. So crazy. When we go down here, we uh, also read um, how he talks about many that, I don't know if it's this part or a little later, but he talks about people that have actually left the church. They have left evangelicalism. Um, let me see where the part is here. He talks about a thief in the night. Um, and, and right here, see, he used to go to church. It says, our church held a screening of the sequel to A Thief in the Night. It was better financed, better produced as a DIY, its DIY predecessor. Um, but say what they may, look what he says right here. My Christian friends and I were too young to understand the questionable leaps of biblical interpretation at work in these movies or the political machinations fueling the Cold War, the culture wars, and the revolution of the Christian right in U.S. politics. But we understood pain. We understood torture. We knew we were sinful, and we were convinced the world was not a safe place for us, and we shouldn't get too comfortable in our beds at night. Well, look, the world is not a safe place. I hate to break it to you. It is not a safe place. The Lord says that we are to be in the world, but not of the world. Right? We're, we're in the world. We're not of the world. We came out of the world. The world is a type of Egypt, or Egypt is a type of the world in the Old Testament. So we're not part of that, but it is a dangerous place. Don't get comfortable in the world. And unfortunately, I think a lot of churches and a lot of Christians have produced, the churches have produced Christians that have become very comfortable in the world. They're like, just they have their death grip on the world, and they don't want to let go of the world. And so what do we see? Unfortunately, it says here, after my parents divorced, and dad moved out. Mom worked around the clock at a nearby hotel while attending community college at night. I was alone a good deal of my childhood and at least once a week. I was convinced that everyone I'd known had been raptured up to heaven and I was about to face the violence, the disease, the starvation, and the isolation of the seven-year tribulation. <clears throat> In other words, Daniel's 70th week. And I just spilled my coffee, but oh well. So here you, you, you could hear it in his voice. There's bitterness here. There's bitterness here. But here we also read that by the mid-90s, rapture fever was in full effect with my generation. He must be around as old as I am because I remember in the 90s. DC Talk was huge. And I remember when their album came out, it was uh, their live version of the album. They did help. It's almost like they were trying to trying to do this crossover thing. Um, and they released a cover of Larry Norman's Rapture Anthem, I Wish We'd All Been Ready. And uh, for many of you who know who Kevin Max is, he was one of the members of DC Talk. And I remember the part of the song, The Father Spoke, The Demons Dined, How Could You Have Been So Blind? 
And he goes on to say how the Left Behind series were released. Then we had the Y2K disaster, and none of it panned out, right? Only to be disappointed. And um, it's almost like we're experiencing this all over again. It's this constant deja vu moment where it's this rapture buildup and then nothing happens. Rapture buildup and then nothing happens. Rapture buildup and then nothing happens. And it's this cycle that we've gone through. But we need to remember that the Lord isn't slack in what he said he was going to do. He's long-suffering, doesn't want anybody to perish. And we don't have the mind of Christ, meaning, not, not that, I'm sorry. What I meant to say was we don't, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And though we may not understand his timing, let me be crystal clear about this. He is coming back any moment. He is coming back any moment. But he says here um, that as he was watching the movie, right down here says, but I remembered very well the psychic impact this toxic theology has on a young mind. In fact, I don't need to remember. This is how he closes out the article. I still dream of demons, hell, the mark of the beast, and the lake of fire a few times a week, sometimes sleepwalking or sleep running. Out the front door, convinced the Antichrist is coming to tattoo triple six on my forehead, followed by an eternity of torture in hell. If you remember to pray for this gentleman, please do. So I, I was curious, what else did this guy write? Well, lo and behold, he wrote an article here, same by The Guardian. And this is the article right here. I read the whole thing. It's pretty lengthy, but it's very eye-opening. Meet the Dragon. And when did this come out, by the way? Sunday, the 13th of August of 2023. So just uh, two, three months ago. Wrote this article, same guy. Meet the Drag Queen, who hit number one on where? Not on the secular. Not on the secular charts. Nope. Meet the Drag Queen, who hit number one on the Christian music charts with help from, of course, a Trump ally. That's a dude. It's a total dude. His stage name is uh, Flamey Grant. Flamey Grant. And I love, look, look what they say. When an evangelical provocateur attacked Flamey Grant, he accidentally inspired a wave of support for the musician. So who is that provocateur? None less than Sean Foyt. And uh, that's Amy Grant. But I think they have a picture here of, of Sean Foyt. But they go on to say that the tactic boomeranged last week when Foyt's attack on Flamey Grant this, in August had a similar effect on the drag queen's fans who flooded iTunes and purchased the album and the song Good Day. Please don't go and purchase it. All right. A combination queer anthem and Christian worship song. Folks, do you see where I'm going with this? Do you see how the church... Um, has um, it's it 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 has uh, failed at its mission or is failing. I'm not saying every single church, but the church by and large has failed at its mission. It has. It has. And this whole article is very very eye opening. Very very eye opening. Um, it talks about. Ex-evangelicals, 
It talks about some of the the stuff in the, they, they talk about this whole movement called evangelicals and how some of these evangelicals are what they call deconstructing their faith, deconstructing their faith. And I wonder what in the world is first of all an evangelical. What is an evangelical? And um, you could just go to. Um, Wikipedia, the bastion of truth. No, it's not, so please just be mindful. The evangelical is a social movement of people who've left evangelicalism. They left. In turn, for what? What did they leave evangelicalism for? Essentially, you walked away from the Lord. They walked away from Christ for atheism, agnosticism, progressive Christianity, which is a bunch of bunk. There's no such thing as progressive Christianity. Progressive Christianity is just something that people created as a means to excuse their sinful behavior, period. They don't want to come to grips with the fact that we are sinful beings, and we've sinned against a holy God, period. They don't like that. The prophets would say that in the Old Testament. Folks, listen. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, I mean, the list goes on and on. They got stoned, they got killed, they got cut in half. People don't like to be told that, but the sad truth is that's what it is. We've really walked away from the Lord. The church has failed in its mission. Not all of it, but by and large it has, and it still is. You would imagine that, you know what, if if the church was, um, was failing and, uh, you know what, they would, they would take a step back and go, hey, you know what, what's going on? What in the world are we doing wrong? If my people who are called by my name, I know that was for the Jewish nation. I know that was for the Jewish people in the Old Testament, Second Chronicles. I get that. In principle, it still applies today. If my people, if those who are called by my name, Christians, Christ followers, will humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways. What do you think? Christians can't be wicked? Of course they can. They can, be, they can do some of the stupidest things ever. I've done some stupid things, but praise God that we go back humbly on our knees and we say, Lord, I have sinned against you, and God is so gracious. His blood covers over a multitude of sins. Praise God for that. Here we got a group of people that have walked away because they don't like it. They don't like the fact that, you know what? The Lord says, if you love me, you'll follow my commandments. Lord tells us to be imitators of Christ. But no, you know, sinful human beings, they just want to keep doing what they want to keep doing. And they want to excuse it. They want to call it some form of Christianity. That way they feel better about it. But the end is what it is. Anyways, called Exvangelicals, XVs. And if you go on, you could read all about it. It's pretty pathetic, if you ask me. It's pretty sad because it tells us how bad the church has failed. And I listen to a lot of these bands. Jars of Clay, total lefty. Five, uh, Five Iron Frenzy, total lefty. Um, uh, Pedro the Lion, lefty. Plum, the group Plum, lefty. Uh, Kevin Max from DC Talk. Uh, here, let me show you. Don't take my word for it. Let me show you. Let me see. Let me go over here. Kevin Max, personal life. Let me just go and show you. Max became... Uh, Vocal on social media about his politics. I'm down here, folks. I'm right down here. I'm right here. Max became vocal on social media about his politics and spiritual deconstruction in 2019 and 2020 during the 
Pandemic. Blandemic. Blandemic. On the song Chakra from his 2020 album Radio Technica, this is what he proclaims himself as, a gothic hippie inclusive Jesus freak. Inclusive. Don't, don't miss that. Don't miss that. Inclusive Jesus freak. Unfortunately, he used the word Jesus here. Wanting peace. Alongside other political commentary on the album. Politically, right here, folks, number 21. Politically, Max has identified as both what? A socialist and an anarchist. What's an anarchist? No joke. What in the world is an anarchist? Because these are the kind of things that I like to do. Let's dig a little deeper. I mean, if we keep going and express support for a number of left-wing causes, but uh, what, what is an anarchist? Anarchism. Let's go ahead and read that. It's a political philosophy and movement that is skeptical of all justifications for what? For authority. Well, I'm sorry. The last time I checked, I serve a God of order. I mean, the Lord is a God of order. He created order out of chaos, right? Go read Genesis. Go read the account of creation. Our God is peace. He's love. He's the embodiment of love. I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that talks about love. I'm trying to rush through all this because there's so much information here. But I hope that you guys all get the point that I'm trying to make. Is that we've gone way lefty. Way lefty. The church has gone way lefty. I mean, we created all of these movements. We created all of these subcultures, as I said in the beginning. And most of them just went bunk because a lot of these we moved. Uh, yeah, maybe the intentions were pure at the beginning, but at the end of the day, anything that, that is man-created is destined to fail. And so everything we do needs to be based on... It needs to be based on biblical standards. That's it. Not manly standards. So here we go, back to the 90s and a lot of these bands that a lot of us used to listen to, there's Sean Foyt. And Sean Foyt comes out of, um, he comes out of Bethel. A lot of questionable stuff there too. We don't have time to get into that. Uh, this gal right here in the middle, her name's Tiffany Arbuckle. She's the lead singer of the Dove award-winning Plum. I've since deleted my albums. Um, but they go on to say here, oh, what a privilege it is to partner with these people. And listen, I don't want anybody to get me wrong. The Lord loves everybody. And we've heard, again, Christianese, right? The Lord loves the sinner, hates the sin. We've all heard it. But at the end of the day, um, the Lord says, choose this day whom you're going to serve. Well, obviously, Joshua said it. Joshua said it in the book of Joshua. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So we need to draw a line in the sand and go, okay, on what side is the church on? Because I'm going to be on the side of the Lord. I'm going to be on the side of the Lord. You know, when, when the Lord approached Joshua and Joshua said, hey, whose side are you on? Are you on my side or are you on their side? The Lord said, I'm not on either one of your sides. That's not the question you need to be asking yourself. The question we need to be asking ourselves, just like Joshua should have asked, isn't whose side are you on, Lord? It's it's uh, whose side are we on? Are we on the Lord's side or are we on the world's side? And it seems to me, by what I'm seeing, by what I'm reading, by what we're 
we're looking at, we're witnessing today, and we've this has been happening for decades. The church has fallen asleep at the wheel. Nobody said anything. Everything's peachy king. Look, it's not peachy king. Everything's not peachy king. We have a big, big problem, but we serve a great big God who could fix this. But there's got to be humility involved. There's got to be repentance. Too much ego going around. Way too much ego. God hates ego. He hates pride. If you don't believe me, go in scripture. Look up all of the instances of pride. Look up David when he took the census. What happened there? Didn't bode well for a lot of people. Didn't bode well for him either. So anyways, um, you know, this is the kind of society we came, we, we're in. That's a dude. Pray for the dude. Um, and why am I kind of scrolling through here? Because we had guys like Ray Bolts. We had guys like Jennifer, not guys, we had women like Jennifer Knapp. They all came out, part of the LGBTQ. They still call themselves Christians. So we got things wrong. We got things mixed up. I mean, we live in a world where Isaiah was so spot on when Jesus said, Woe to those who say, who call evil good and good evil, right, wrong, and wrong, right, everything backwards. You know? Man, you could tell that I, I, I just really, really, um, I feel real passionate about this. Because this is what happens when we try to interpret the Bible and pull Scripture out. And we just make it say whatever we want it to say. This is what happens when we go away from biblical statutes and biblical standards and we think that our standards are better and we're going to make it work because you know what? The Lord could use my marketing help. No, Lord doesn't need it. You could keep it. We don't want it. We could see what it's done. Positive thinking, give me a break. Talked about that. The whole notion of you could be a better you, be a better self, man. All you got to do is you just got to chant this weirdy chant before we open up scripture and. Well, they don't even open a Bible at Joel Osteen's church. I am who I am. It sounds like uh, sounds like Popeye, man. You know, I am who I am, and that's all that I'm. Seriously, folks. Then we wonder why we're in the moral morass we're in. Why the church is upside down. Why the church is upside down. You know, there, there's, there's this artist, I don't even like to call artist, by the name of Semler. And listen to her, ever have. Um, but I don't even want to get into it. I don't want to get into this, but I'm just showing you guys, supposed to be. Um, look at, look at the, the genre here. I've been seeing a whole lot more of this. And I'm not going to play anything because... It's just pure trash. It's garbage. It's junk. You know, when I used to listen to secular music, I used to listen to Rage Against the Machine. Well, let, let me finish here. Semler, supposed to be a Christian artist, not Christian at all. Okay, you guys, just by the titles, you could tell where this is going. LGBTQ+, plus, 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 plus. Let's push the agenda. Progressive Christianity. This is what progressive Christianity gets you. Now, on a Christian album, you've got a parental advisory explicit lyrics because they drop F-bombs, right? So essentially, 
you, you know, you're you're listening to um, an album, and, and that's what you're gonna get. I didn't say any bad words, but I just played that for effect. This is where we're at, folks. I think it's about time we really come to grips with the fact that we have some big, big problems, and I don't know if we're ever going to come back from this. I don't really think we are going to come back from this. This whole evangelical culture, renouncing Christianity, renouncing evangelicalism, and, and taking up arms for the world and for Satan, because essentially that's what they're doing. That's essentially what they're doing. So again, we come back to the question that Habakkuk, Habakkuk asked. It's a good question, great question. Because now more than ever, that question is so apropos. So apropos. How long shall I cry? You're not going to hear, Lord. And even when I do cry out to you, it's violence. Violence everywhere. Lawlessness. No accountability. People do whatever they want to do. The church has gone awry. It's gone crazy. And Lord, where are you in all this? You don't save? Where are you? Why do you show me these things, Lord? These things cause me trouble. They bother me. I see plundering and violence all before me. Strife, contentions arise. Contentions in the church, divisions in the church. Christians fighting against each other for the stupidest things. I mean, the church is fractured. It's divided. It, it, it's, it's broken. It's like a boys and girls club sometimes. We go to church and it's just, you know, trendy, trendy groups. Got to drive a certain car. If you don't drive a certain car, well, you can't be my friend. Really? I'm sorry. I don't remember reading that anywhere in Scripture. I don't remember. But I do remember that when the widow gave her might, the Lord praised her because out of her lack she gave. And everybody else gave out of their abundance. Shame on us. Shame on us, because we dropped the ball. All of us did. And we're seeing that. No one is perfect. No, not one. There's no one righteous. Too much pride. Too much pride. Let me just close with this. And there was so much I didn't get to. I, just so much I didn't cover. So much. Let me read this. This is a commentary, Warren Wearsby commentary on Luke chapter 21, verse 28. Just the very end of it. The rapture is coming. Make no mistake about it. The rapture is coming very, very soon and people don't see it. They don't see it. They don't see it because they don't want to see it. Because the church has fallen asleep at the wheel and is not warned, just like Ezekiel was told to do by the Lord, to be a watchman on the wall. And so the blood of many is going to be on the hands of the church. But a time is coming when it's going to be too late. And a lot of people are going to be left behind, caught by surprise. 
And like Larry Norman said, I wish we'd all been ready. Two men walking up a hill. One disappears and one less standing still. Wish we'd all been ready. A man, a wife, asleep in bed. She hears a noise. Oh man, I could keep going on. Gonna happen. Christ appearing in the clouds for us is gonna be instant. Twinkling of an eye and it's gonna happen any moment. Take a look around. The Lord says that uh, many will be caught by surprise. And I think, no, I know now why so many are just going to be caught by surprise because they've fallen asleep, they've walked away, and they've said to themselves, nah, they've been saying this for way too long. They're just full of hot air. I'm going to go live my life the way I want to live my life. Well, let me read this. There are those who ignore and even ridicule the doctrine of the return of Christ. After all, the church has been waiting for the Lord for 2,000 years. And he's not returned yet. Peter answered that accusation in 2 Peter chapter 3. He pointed out that God keeps his promises whether we believe them or not. And that God measures time differently from the way men measure it. Furthermore, the reason he waits is is so that unsaved sinners may repent, be saved, and be ready when Jesus comes. While his seeming delay is a trial to the church, why it's a trial to the church, it is an opportunity for the lost Having answered their questions, the Lord then applied the message to their hearts by close by giving them two closing admonitions. And those two closing admonitions, folks, family, flight crew, are know and watch. Know the seasons that we're living in. Know the times that we're living in. Know the Word of God and how that applies to everyday life. And be watchful, because the Lord comes at an hour you do not expect. So be ready. Be ready. Listen, I know I went a little bit over, and uh, some of you are going, wow, man, that was heavy. It was heavy. But I hope that this spurs each and every one of us on to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, because times are short. And as humorous as I tried to make all of those different christian sayings of uh, evil fatigue and um, late great, uh, what did they call it? Late great burnout, end time weariness, rapture fatigue, rapture watch burnout, whatever it is. Let's not tire, let's not grow weary of doing good, of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now more than ever, We need to sprint towards the finish line because, as I pointed out, the church, the church 
is a tall tale sign that the rapture of the church is any, any moment. I believe that we are witnessing a point in time, now more than ever, that the catching away of believers is imminent. It is imminent. And why? More reasons than one. But as I pointed out, one of the main reasons we know that to be true is because we're seeing a church that is fragmented, a church that is divided, it is fractured, it's broken, fill in the blank. And it's now in a deficit when it comes to its influence in the world. And once the church ceases to influence the world for good and for the gospel of Jesus Christ, it now um, it, it ceases from its calling. And that means that we have become ineffective and we're out of here. So listen, we are close, folks. To be thankful, what to be thankful for after hearing all of this, be thankful for those of us that are in Christ. Because we have the assurance of heaven, we have that hope of his imminent return for us. And that any moment that trumpet's going to sound and we're out of here. Be faithful to the calling. Share Jesus Christ. Share Jesus Christ. To some that might accuse me of wanting to sell things, I don't care. I'm beyond caring anymore. I don't really care what anybody thinks. I don't give a rip. I really don't. You can accuse me of whatever you want to accuse me of. You know, trying to make, uh, trying to monetize off the Lord, trying to monetize off. Listen, I've heard it all and I don't really care. We don't have time for that. We don't have time for that, that big pile of excuses. I have these gospel cards on Serpents and Doves website. Um... And one of the reasons why I'm bringing this up is because they're great tools, great little tools. You get over there. Uh, you can get them if you just go to the shop and you go to the gospel cards there, or you could just English gospel cards. Um, I also have them in Spanish. The ones with the little red bar up here are in Spanish. These down here are in English. Um, and they're just simple. Simple gospel of Jesus Christ on there. Right there. You could leave these at coffee tables. You could leave these at a restaurant. You could stand in front of a movie theater and hand them out. When you go get gas, put them where the card goes so people have to pull them out. Go to a library, leave them in a book. Because if the rapture happens today, those books are going to be there. And someone might open that up and have the everlasting gospel presented to them. Again, I have them in Spanish too. Las tengo en español. Para los que quieren estas tarjetas en español, acá las tengo en español también. I have them in Spanish right there. And I'm, I'm going to be, uh, I'm, I'm praying that the Lord would, would present folks that would help me translate these into different languages. That they wouldn't just be relegated stateside, but that they would be able to go all around the world. So folks, listen. Now's not the time to be playing Christian. Now's not the time to be playing church. Now's the time to armor up Ephesians chapter 6. Now's the time to be praying up. Now's the time to encourage one another, to sprint towards the finish line, because our redemption draws very near. 
If you don't know Jesus Christ, I want to urge you to call on the name of the Lord to be saved. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. There is no such thing as progressive Christianity. There's no such thing as getting to God. There's no, not many roads to God. There's only one, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he died on the cross for you and for me, and he rose on the third day, and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. And that invitation goes out to everybody and anybody. For God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him, whosoever, that means everybody, whosoever believes in him, not perish but have everlasting life. What a beautiful, beautiful verse. Listen, for those that aren't in Christ, you stand condemned already. Read John 3.17. It's the verse right after. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what you've done. The Lord doesn't care. Don't wait to clean yourself up because you can never do that. The Bible says that your righteous, your righteous deeds are as filthy rags. Filthy rags. That word that they use is like menstrual rags. Pretty disgusting, right? Pretty graphic. That's the way the Lord sees your righteous, your righteous deeds, your good works. They don't mean anything. Okay? They're worse than stepping in a fat pile of steamy doo-doo. That's what your righteous deeds are. Let's just be, again, let's just be honest. Let's, just, let's really just lay the cards out on the table. The Lord wants you to come to Him just as you are. Let Him do the cleanup work. And don't put it off. Don't put it off. Satan wants you to put it off because at the end of the day, the rapture happens right now. Guess what? You're in for hell on earth. Hell on earth. Exactly. Doesn't have to be that way. And I would encourage you, call on the name of the Lord while he may be found. Today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. It's simple. It is simple. Admit you're a sinner. Believe that the Lord Jesus Christ died for your sins. He rose on the third day. Confess him as Lord and just pray that you would forgive you and come into your life. That's it. It's simple. It's not rocket science. Didn't cost, doesn't cost us anything. It cost Jesus Christ his life. And he suffered a lot on that cross. Easter's coming up next year, and I'll be doing hopefully a talk about that. But listen, let's close in prayer, folks. Hope you guys were encouraged. I really, really do. As, as crazy as this may sound, look, at the end of the day, Christ is coming back for us. This is not our world. And while we're in this world, make it count. Make it count. Make every minute count. Because once that trumpet sounds, it's over. That's it. I don't want to stand before the Lord and cry Niagara Falls because he shows me the things I could have accomplished had I been obedient to the call, but I was too chicken. I was too scared of what somebody else might say. Oh, well, if I do a podcast, what are people going to think about me? Who cares what anyone, what anyone else thinks about you? Who cares? The only one we should be concerned about is what does Jesus Christ think? Am I being faithful to the Lord? That doesn't mean you're going to live a perfect life. You're going to stumble and fall. Praise God for his mercy. Anyways, how about we pray, we close until the next one. All right, Father God, thank you so much for this time. Lord, thank you. Thank you that we live in this country. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you that you are long-suffering. You don't want anybody to perish. Thank you that you hear us when we call to you. 
And if there's anybody out there, Father God, that wants to surrender to you, I pray that your Holy Spirit would tug at them, that they would feel uncomfortable, and that they would surrender to you. They would give up, stop fighting it. Father God, I pray that you would heal the church. Lord, though it seems like an impossibility, Father God, with man things are impossible, but with you nothing is impossible. All things are possible. Father God, we thank you for this day of Thanksgiving, and I pray that we would exercise Thanksgiving each and every day of the year. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you, Father God, for loving us. Thank you, Father God, for being so merciful and gracious with us, so compassionate, so gentle. Father God, we love you. We praise you. We look forward to hearing you sound that shofar and saying, come up hither. What a beautiful time that's going to be in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, family, I went over a little bit. I do apologize. But listen, keep looking up. Get into the Word of God. Get the Word of God into you. And um, until the next time, may the Lord richly, richly bless you guys. See ya.